Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up, no matter what. Now, many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. And as a result, what I have seen and in interviewing now for over three years, that each and every one of them has a passion to help others as a result of what they went through. Because there, we don't know who's out there that may be going through something similar. Many of my guests have survived extreme poverty or abuse. Some have had to overcome serious depression or disease. And many of them had to fight just to survive. So this show gives them the opportunity to share those stories. And it also gives all of us tips and encouragement on not only how to survive, but to thrive. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries, and we maintain the number one rank on Google searches for the subject of hope. That is exciting. So no matter where you live, we all need to hear stories that will encourage us and that will give us hope. So I thank my guests, of course, but I also want to thank my listeners, because without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for your feedback, for your reviews, and thank you for listening in today. With me today, I have Linda Evans Shepard. Linda is an author of over 30 books, which has sold over a quarter million copies, and many of them have achieved the number one position on Amazon. She is also president of Right to the Heart Ministries. She is CEO of Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. She is the, both the publisher of Leading Hearts magazine and Arise Daily. I personally have read several of Linda's books. And we're going to talk about a couple of them today. You know, many times when we see people as leaders, we assume that everything is wonderful in their lives. But however, quite often the exact opposite of that is true. And many leaders go through tremendous struggles and setbacks and pain. The difference is how we handle those setbacks. I met Linda about three years ago at a writer's conference in Cincinnati, Ohio that she was in fact leading 
and I was instantly drawn to her. Her smile, her demeanor, and her love for people was evident. During that conference, she was called away because of an emergency at her home regarding her daughter. And today, Linda is going to share that life-changing event, which actually started about 30 years previous. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. It's so good to be here, Carol. Now, Linda, when you were a young mom, something happened in your life that was any mother's nightmare. Can you tell us about that? Well, certainly. Um, I had a happy family, a beautiful baby, a loving husband, and I thought that life would always be just beautiful until one day I was visiting my mom and we went to the after Christmas shopping cell the day after Christmas. And when we were on the way home, our car unexpectedly went out of control and we hit a minivan almost head on. When I opened my eyes, I couldn't believe I was alive. I looked at my mom, she looked pretty good, but then I realized the baby wasn't crying. And so I looked into the back seat and discovered that pretty much the back seat had been ripped off the car. So I climbed my way out of the wreckage and I found my daughter still in her car seat at 18 months old and I knew that our lives had been changed forever. She was alive, but she had a head injury. And that was the beginning of quite the journey, a journey that took us to the hospital, a journey where we waited. I mean, we waited for this beautiful child. She looked beautiful, really. But the problem was that her brain began to swell and she began to go into convulsions. And those convulsions led to her just not waking up. Oh, she wasn't dead, but she wasn't awake either. And I waited day after day. I began to wait week after week. And finally, I began to wait month after month for my beautiful daughter Laura to open her eyes and I knew she would just say mommy but finally finally the doctors we had flown to a new hospital here in Colorado and the day came where 21 healthcare professionals surrounded me with what I thought would be their plan our the plan it had been three months and it was time for a plan to get this child to wake up and so as we began the meeting one by one the healthcare professionals said to me there is no hope your daughter will be a vegetative state forever in fact your daughter could spend 80 years oh in a vegetative goodness. state and here my husband was out of town he had been delayed he was trying to get back in town for the meeting and had gotten delayed by bad weather and so I'm all alone listening as one by one I hear no hope no hope no hope and that night I remember leaving that meeting I felt like a zombie they said oh you're so brave no I was so shocked right I went up to my daughter's room and there she was beautiful Again, she looked like she could open her eyes and say, Mommy, here I am. But that night, 
as I begin to sit with her now, she was on life support because of the damage from the seizures that she had when she had the volcanic pressure building in her brain. And there she was, and, and it seemed like that the life support even began to mock me. It sounded like it too began to say, no hope, no hope. And I, I thought back on how hard I had fought the doctors. Of course, they all wanted to pull her plug. They couldn't stand that. They couldn't tell me what was going to happen. They, they wanted some sort of conclusion, and they wanted it now. And one conclusion would be to pull her plug. And I had said no. Hmm. I had fought them tooth and toenail. But that night, I wondered if I had really blown it. I wondered if maybe we'd been better off if I had pulled her plug. And that's when my eyes rested on my bottle of pain reliever and I thought you know what you know what I could do I could turn the alarm off on my daughter's machine and I could take this bottle of pain reliever and then we could both escape this living hell and just when I thought this was the solution I recall the conversation I had had earlier that morning even before the meeting my own doctor's office had just heard about the accident and the nurse had called me and was talking to me about you know what had happened and she said to me do you have any questions for me and I said well I do and I I had a per very personal question to ask her and her response was this Linda I think you might be pregnant and in that dark dark night where here I am contemplating taking my own life and taking the life of my daughter. I knew, I knew with a certainty that I had a new life growing inside of me. And I began to think, how can I give up on this baby? And I looked at my beautiful daughter and I said, how can I give up on this child? Mm. And then and I began to think about this. What would happen? if I gave this situation, this impossible situation to God, what would happen? And that night, that's exactly what I did. I didn't know the future. I didn't know what was going to happen. Things looked as bleak as I could even have imagined. And I said, God, I'm going to give this all to you, and I'm going to trust you to see what happens next. Wow. Well, I know, Linda, you have shared this story so many times. And each time you share it, I'm sure that you touch someone, especially a mother who possibly has lost a child. Walk with you through this journey, I think, is therapeutic in itself. And so I thank you from a personal perspective as well just to know that no matter what happened, I know this isn't the end of the story and you have a lot more to share, but even what you have done so far, the thing that really hit me as you were talking is when the doctors and from other avenues as well, you heard those words, no hope. How often aren't we given those words in tragedies in our life? No hope. And so before you continue your story, I want you to share did you at any point, even when hearing those neg that negative input, did you believe that she would wake up? Or did you too 
feel that there was no hope. Where were you in this situation? Well, first off, I was surprised she hadn't awakened because I had prayed, but nothing had happened. I, I had those moments where I felt abandoned, forgotten, like I had no control and no one had control that I was facing a life that would be desolate of any hope if I continued to live. Oh, I felt the hopelessness. It was terrifying. And what did you do about that? Well, making my decision to trust God no matter what, I thought about Job. If you recall that biblical character, he was a man that lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his herds. He lost everything but his nagging wife who pretty much thought he should just give up and die he didn't lose his friends but they actually came to that same conclusion he had nothing he had no hope but job said something really interesting he told god he said yet i will trust you even if you slay me and that's what i thought about a lot i thought about the power of trusting God even when everything seemed hopeless and so my decision was to live I didn't know what that would look like and so here I am living my girth is growing we had to bring our daughter home from the hospital that was terrifying she was on life support and um, we had people helping us care for her but they were strangers in our home we didn't you know we our, our beautiful, happy home was now an ICU unit. And I'm pregnant with the baby. Oh, my goodness, what was going to happen? So here I am. I, I go into labor. I have a beautiful son, Jim. And that day when I took him home from the hospital for the first time, I went up to Laura, who was laying um, on a makeshift mattress on the floor. We had her out. We, we were exercising her. And... And I went to Laura with the baby, and I, I tucked baby Jim into her arms. And that was the moment that Laura became aware. Wow. And I have a picture of it, and you can see in her eyes that she knew that she had a baby brother in her arms. You could see it. And then from that moment on, it was slow, but she began to emerge, not from vegetative state, like they had said. And that was my argument. <laughs> really, you can't tell the difference between coma and vegetative state unless they wake up. That's the only way you can tell. And so um, I, they sent me, they tried to send me to the hospital psychologist and to the social workers. Everybody was just really down on me for that attitude. But I said, scientifically speaking, you really don't know. Well, that scared them half to death <laughs> that I challenged their scientific exactly. data. Uh, but yeah, so go ahead. I was just going to say you didn't fit the mold. No, no, I did not. Um, yeah, I remember this uh, this one meeting I had with the doctor, a doctor who came to visit in Laura's room when she was still in coma and still in the hospital. And he said, I have really good news for you. And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? I could use some good news. And he said, um, well, your daughter's never going to grow. She's always going to be tiny. Oh, my <laughs> word. I said, oh. I said, oh, my goodness. 
goodness. I said, why do you think that I would think that was good news? <laughs> and he said, oh, she'll be easy to manage. Yeah, I, I was imagining he was meaning I could just throw her around like a sack of potatoes, pick her up and put her here or there, carry her up or down the stairs. She'd be easy to manage. And I said, well, number one, I don't think that is really good news. And, and I said, and you don't know that. Right. And he said, oh. He said, I, I didn't know that you'd had a break with reality. Now, that's what he sent the psychologist in to see me. Um, and so I, I told the psychologist the same thing. I, I said, scientifically speaking, they don't know. So then they sent the chaplain in to see me. And I don't know what kind of faith this particular chaplain had. But she said, she said, I hear you think your daughter can get better. And I said, I do. And she said, can you tell me why? And I said, well, have you seen her? She can't get much worse. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> so then she said oh no I, I heard that you think she can get better because of the bible and she said can you tell me where in the bible you're getting this idea and oh, I said, well, my have you read it <laughs> try, try the whole bible the bible <laughs> is a book of hope and so uh, she shook her head she left then they said the social workers in uh, and they told me that we had to have a meeting and I said, I don't think so. <laughs> she, they said, why not? I said, well, I'm not your client. And I said, I haven't done anything wrong, and I'm not meeting with you. Well, they really didn't know what to do. So they sent this rebellious mother home with her brain-damaged baby pregnant. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> no kidding. Oh, my goodness. But as Laura began to wake up, the most amazing thing began to happen. My daughter came back with the most amazing joy and the most amazing peace. And she could say a few words and she learned to communicate. Now, she couldn't read, she couldn't um, have a conversation with you except she had learned how to communicate through facial expressions and tongue signals. And oh my, she could express so much through the, this mode of communication. And besides that, she had what we called Laura Smirks. We lived for Laura Smirks. We would tell something funny and she would grin. She would laugh at us. <laughs> I'm thinking about a time I told her this. I said, oh, Laura. I said, uh, one of my friends just emailed me that he no longer believes in God. You should have seen the horrified look on this beautiful, innocent child's face. She looked absolutely stunned and horrified. And I could tell uh, she wanted to know why not. And so I said, oh, I said, it's because he said God doesn't heal amputees. And then Laura looked very quizzical. And I realized. There had never been a reason to use the word amputee in front of Laura. She did not know the word, was not in her vocabulary. And so I said, well, and I softened it. I said, well, an amputee is someone who can't use their arms and legs. My daughter was still on life support, and she began to laugh. And with every breath of that machine, Laura said, ha, ha. We had never heard her laugh out loud like that. Oh this continued and continued. 
finally I said, Laura, I don't understand why that's so funny. And then I remembered she had communicated with me when she was only four that she had met Jesus on the other side during her coma ordeal. And so I said, Laura, I said, when you were in heaven, did you see people who couldn't use their arms and legs? And she grinned and she had this yes signal where she would stick out her tongue. Well, she stuck her tongue out to the very bottom of her chin to say yes. And I said, Laura, were you one of those people who couldn't use her arms and legs on earth but could in heaven? Yes, she said again. And it was amazing. We had the most amazing love in our home. Our home was all about love. Loving our daughter who loved us back. Her brother was raised with this kind of love. Her brother loved his sister. We were a happy family. And it was an amazing, you know, and people would ask me, well, your daughter's disabled. And I would say, so? She's still my daughter. Exactly. I'm going to love her no matter what. You know, as you were talking, one of the things that uh, I was thinking is, what if you had taken that message of no hope? What if you had agreed, you know, with that message? You would not have had that joy. You would not have certainly had that peace. And you may not have had your daughter all those years. But consequently, because you did not accept that, and in rather you accepted the fact that there is a God who brings love, who brings joy, who brings peace, who brings healing, who brings restoration, and that's what you tapped into. Look at the difference and look how your life turned out rather than being the other direction. I think that is one of the messages that I want to get across to the audience today. It's what we do with what we are hearing. We can accept it or reject it. It really is our choice, isn't it? Right. You know, you have to be careful what you agree with. You want to agree with death? You want to agree with no hope? That's a hard road. But it's scary to agree with hope. You don't know what's going to happen. But why not? Exactly. Why not? Just say yes to hope. That's, I like that. Just say yes to hope. <laughs> That's a new bumper <laughs> sticker. Do you believe that this whole ordeal actually made you a greater woman of faith? Or was that always there and, this, and you just tapped into that resource? Well, it kept me from uh, from having a cardboard cookie cut cutter type of faith where, you know, if you believe in God, everything is always wonderful. We know, in fact, that Jesus said that in this life there will be trouble, but I will be with you in that trouble. And I learned that. I learned what that meant. And I wish I could say that if you said a magic prayer or if you smiled just right up at the sky, <laughs> that nothing bad will ever happen and nothing bad will ever happen again. But, oh, my goodness, just turn on the news and you'll see that there's a lot of drama, trauma happening continually everywhere in the world. And so 
since we can't protect ourselves from drama, drama, trouble, then what's the solution? The solution is to open our hearts to hope. And continuing, I mean, I meet people all the time who are so hopeless that they want to die. Yes. And I just say to them, you know what? Give your trouble, give your trauma, give your heartache to God. Now, that may be a new concept for a lot of people, but oh my goodness, that's exactly how I got through everything that I I went through, even the latest part of the story. I gave my heartache to God, and I would say this prayer, God, now it's your your problem. (laughs) I'm giving it to you. It's your problem. I'm just going to rest in you. Because that's, I think, one of the hardest things about stress and drama and hopelessness is constantly trying to figure out, what what can I do? What's going to happen? What do I need to do? But just to lay it down, And to say, you know what, I choose resting in God. You can catch your breath. You can feel his love for you. And you can face another day. Well, it's a lot easier to do that and a lot smarter than to worry about everything because that accomplishes nothing anyway. And I think we've all been victims of that and we've all realized that worrying doesn't change anything. So why not, as you are saying here, why not rest? Before we talk about your books, um, is there anything else you want to say about Laura's story? Well, yes. Um, As you know, you started the story with that event in Cincinnati that I had to leave turned out that my daughter was dying. We had her for 30 years. And 28 of those years, she was a disabled young woman. And like I said, so what? It was our life. And it was a wonderful life, full of love and joy. And and to see my daughter pass, to know that powers in the hospital had a hand in that, um changing an order behind my back, signing my name to it. It was a lot to endure, a lot to go through. But I had that final day with her. It was the day after her birthday. She became uh, gravely ill during her birthday party. She didn't even get to open her presents. And we only had 12 more hours left with her. And so as it became a death watch, and as we began to gather her dad, myself, and my son, our son, we began to say goodbye to Laura. And I began to read to her these wonderful words from the Bible about what heaven is like and talk to her again about who would be there and that her papa couldn't wait to see her and that God has sent an angel to give her safe passage and that Jesus was so excited that she was returning. And I had always teased her, because we would talk from time to time about people who died, and she would get that wistful look, longing for heaven. And I would say, well, Laura, one day it will be your turn, but today it's not your turn. But that day, I said, Laura, it's your turn. It's okay. And in that moment, that very moment, she smiled and she left our arms for the arms of Jesus. And I have such a sweet assurance of that, knowing that our loved one, our little girl, is now 
miraculously and totally healed. And once again, she can use her arms and legs. That's a powerful message, Linda, and I'm trusting that it will encourage everyone. I mean, even if you have not lost a child, just the to know with a certainty that there is a God who loves you and who hears you when you cry. So I thank you for sharing that story very, very much. Now let's talk a little bit about your books. Each of your books are a source of encouragement to help people overcome whatever seems to be overwhelming in their own lives. This is what uh, I, I felt anyway in reading some of them. Now did something happen in your own life that made you realize that you needed to fill this niche in the market? Well, I'll tell you, um, having a child in coma for one year, I mean, it took a year for her to wake up. And not knowing what God was going to do, it taught me how to press into prayer. And I became rather an expert at prayer. And so my publisher recognized that I I actually knew a lot, had a lot of experience praying to the Almighty. (laughs) And they asked me, to uh, write books on prayer and it was such a good fit for me because uh, it was easy to tell people what I had learned and to help people connect with God because that's what prayer is it's connecting with God a God who loves you you know so many people are afraid of God they're like oh he I, I can't bother God he's got so many important things to do but they forget one thing God is outside of time and so if you and I are praying at the same time and and Carol there's no way that that my prayer time is going to bump you off of God hearing your prayer time. (laughs) God is omnipresent. It's better than a Star Trek movie when you think about it. I mean, (laughs) this is incredible. We could have a million voices lifted up to God at the same time, and it's like we each have his undivided attention. And oh my goodness, what I have learned about prayer and how to connect with a God who loves you. That's what I wanted to share with other people and to share the hope and to share the peace that comes through that and to share the joy and to share how to rest. Some of our listeners just want to know how to just get some rest and and to rest in a God who loves you and to be able to trust a God who loves you. What could be better than that? Expound a little bit on the word rest. Well, again, it's, you know, have you ever had a problem that you were just so worried about? You, you just tried to worry it out, figure it out, kept you up all night long. You didn't get any rest and you go through the day. Oh, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? How is this going to work out? I don't know. What is the best thing to do? I have to pick the best thing to do because if I don't, terrible things are going to happen. What if, what if you didn't have to worry? Not at all. What if you could say, well, God, I have some problems here. I don't know what to do about, so I'm going to give them to you. And just show me. Just show me what to do. I'm going to rest in you. Meaning, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to sleep through the night. And I'm going to let God figure it out. He can figure out my problems better than I can. I mean, I don't know. Personally, I didn't know what to do about my daughter. So I just turned it over to God and rested. That's a good explanation. I think that that is a message, like I mentioned earlier, about the message of hope that you are giving. It's a message that we do need to hear. And and it's 
again, the absence of worry is what rest really is. Because how can you rest when you're in a state of worry? And so you, you have to make that choice not to worry, but instead choose to rest. And in your case and my case, we choose to rest in the promises that God has given us in the Bible. And I know that many of your books are about those promises, especially the very last one that you just um, that was just launched. So share a little bit about the different books and what people can expect to find in them and, and who would possibly be interested in those specific ones. Well, I have written quite a few books. and um, One of them, I think probably my most famous one, is When You Don't Know What to Pray, How to Talk to God About Anything. And that is a great book, uh, a primer, if you will, to teach you how to pray. Uh, then I have books like Praying Through Hard Times, Experiencing God's Presence, uh, Called to Pray, which is a great, I love that book because it's just stories about people who are like, you know, maybe they're driving their car and they're like, oh my goodness, I need to pray for Aunt Sue. And then they pray for Aunt Sue and then they find out, oh my goodness, they were hanging off a cliff. And just at the moment I prayed, a rope came and rescued them. I mean, it's those kinds of stories. That, that one is not actually in the book. <laughs> but it's those kinds of stories. And it's amazing to see the connection we have with God. I mean, God puts something on our heart to pray about because why? He wants to answer the prayer and then we pray and he answers the prayer. It's amazing. He wants us in the process. And so uh, my latest book is called Praying God's Promises. And if you think about the Bible, you might not realize that it's full of promises from God. Who are the promises for? Well, they are for us. Because God is the promise maker. He's also the promise keeper. And so we have to know what those promises are to claim them. He has promises of, of um, being in communication with him through his son Jesus. So you know, we can say, yes, yes, I believe in you, God. And so it's all about saying yes, just like we say yes to hope. Yes, I believe in you, God. And I can have a relationship with a holy God. Yes, I will live for God. Yes, I will believe God. Yes, I will believe the promises. Did you know, Carol, that there are over 5,000 promises in the Word? And we can say yes to them. And so what I did is I, I collected many of the promises. Not all. I didn't have a book big enough to do that. <laughs> but I collected many of them. And I put them into categories, you know, like um, you know, promises for our children, promises of blessing, promises of peace, promises of provision, promises of purpose. We each have a purpose. And so I, I wrote, one of the things that I wrote about is God has many names in the Bible. Like one of his names is Healer. And so when, when you know and you know the story behind that, and you know that God is the healer, when you see a promise from God about healing, then you can say yes to it. Well, yes, I do believe that, because when we say yes with faith, and just agreeing with it is having faith, we activate it. We can activate hope. We can activate peace. It's amazing. And it's amazing to live in such a way 
that we can pray God's promises back to him and say yes. So what you're doing is you are agreeing with what is written. That's correct. Just as the opposite, when the doctor gave you the message, <laughs> mm-hmm. you chose not to agree. So what a difference. You've gone the full circle. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, thank you, Linda, for sharing, first of all, from your heart. It does not matter how long ago it's been that your daughter has gone to heaven. There are still those moments that I know that as a mother, you miss her. And for being able to share your story in such a beautiful way like you did today, I sincerely appreciate that. And also as an encouragement for anyone who might be going through not only the loss of a child, but just loss in general. And understanding that we can, from that loss, actually receive joy, which is what you did. And it is very much appreciated how you shared that beautifully. Also, I thank you for your books that you shared today. And I know that for anyone who needs those words of encouragement or that hope or are struggling with certain things that you did tap into, that they will, in fact, pick up one of your books. All of them will be um, available via your website, which will be connected with this show's uh, show notes. And so I thank you for that. Is there anything else that you might want to add in conclusion to what you shared today? Well, yes, Carol. Since your show is about hope, how fun it would be to take a look at a promise of hope. And let's just see if we can rest in it. I picked Jeremiah 29:11, which says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future filled with hope. How wonderful to take that promise and say yes. <laughs> yes, I yes, I will receive that. I will receive that promise, and I hope that our listeners will say yes to that as well. That's perfect ending. I really appreciate you sharing that because it definitely is something we can all tap into. Thank you again, Linda, for sharing today. Well, thank you too, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.